Second Peter 3, 1, you don't have to look it up. It says, Beloved, this is the second letter I'm writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. You know, it isn't bad to, to, uh, to be reminded of something. If you come to Faith Family Church, you'll notice Pastor Tony will lots of times review. Uh, he may review quite a bit before he preaches something because, because he wants to remind you of the foundation of it before he takes off into some new part of it. But, you know, there are things that, that we need to talk about, and, and I'll get there. But, you know, God, we're going to start here. God created man and woman in his image, eternal spirits with a free will. Genesis 1.26 says, let us, God said, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness and let them rule. You hear that? Rule over the sea and the birds and the livestock and over all the earth. And God created man in his own image. And Adam and Eve, after they were created, committed high treason against God. You know, nobody likes a traitor. You know, Benedict Arnold goes down in history as being, you know, one of the worst guys who ever lived on the North American continent because he was a traitor. But Adam and Eve committed high treason. They, uh, they were given dominion over all the earth, and they gave it up for a piece of fruit and handed their authority and dominion over to Satan. They died spiritually, which eventually led to their physical deaths. And the Bible says they put a great divide between themselves and God and doomed all of us who followed to be separated from God. Genesis 6, 5 says this, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Can you imagine the difference between what Adam and Eve were created like when God would walk in the garden with them every evening and that? Only evil all the time. In time, God gave Moses the law, didn't he? To try to curb sin, to show people the right way, but they couldn't do it. Romans 3, starting with verse 10, says, There is none righteous, not one, none who understands, none who seeks for God. All have turned aside and become useless. And it ends in verse 18, And there is no fear of God before their eyes. Well, we see that, don't we? Now, I, I, I'm speaking better hand, things about all of us that are in this, this building, but if you haven't turned your life over to God, if you haven't given Jesus the lordship of your life, then, then by, the Bible says that you're still in a lost condition. You're still in that condition of fallen. We don't want to be there. Um, I'm going to read a little more. I, I won't stay on this negative stuff too long. Just bear with me just a minute. I'm laying a foundation here, all right? Isaiah 59 Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear, but your wrongdoings have caused a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and he goes on. And then skipping down to verse 15, it says, Truth is lacking, and the one who turns aside from evil makes himself a prey. Now the Lord saw, and it was displeasing in his sight that there was no justice, and he saw that there was no one, and he was amazed that there was not one to intercede. Then his own arm worked salvation to him, and his righteousness upheld him. I like it in the New Living. It says, he was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed, 
So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm, and his justice sustained him. Then a couple of verses later, it says that, uh, verse 20, it says, a redeemer will come to Zion. That was God's plan. That redeemer is Jesus Christ, isn't it? And John 1, 1, we know that in the beginning was the word. That's Jesus. And the word, Jesus, was with God. And the word, Jesus, was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things that came into being through Jesus and apart from Jesus, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In Jesus was life. I'm substituting instead of him. He just keeps saying him, him, him. In him, in Jesus was life. And that life was the light of mankind. And that light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not grasp it. Verse 9, this was the true light coming into the world that enlightens every person. Jesus was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him or did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and his own people did not accept him. But as many as received him, that includes us, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. So Jesus came on the picture, full of grace and truth, full of an, an opportunity for people to go out of that lost state and into a place where they could have a relationship with God again and they could follow him. We know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world. Now, boy, how many people running around think that? Oh, well, you know, he's just judging me. Yeah. No, no. It says he did not send his son into the world to judge. No. But so that the world through him might be saved. You know, it's beyond understanding. It's beyond comprehension what God did. You know, the, the, the Bible says nothing about redemption for angels. Do you ever think about that? They're eternal spirit. Doesn't say anything about that. Uh, in Jude 6, it says, The angels who did not keep their own domain, in other words, they didn't stay in heaven, they followed Satan. The Bible says a third of the angels followed Satan. He must have been quite a leader. Well, he's made quite a mess of this world, hasn't he? So people, I mean, okay, most, a lot of people follow him, amen? I mean, not amen, but you know what I mean. They're following him. He's a leader, but a third of the angels fell. It doesn't say one thing about redemption for angels says, the angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper dwelling place, these he has kept in eternal restraints in darkness for the judgment of the great day. Yeah, did you see? There's nothing there about redemption. But for whatever reason, us, who he made in his image, his own hand provided salvation. His own hand worked out a way to get us back to him. Because that was his goal. You know, if, I mean, we could just go down this list. He saved us. He delivered us. He healed us. He provided for us. He made us free. He gave us a measure of faith. The Bible says he poured out his love into our hearts. He filled us with his own spirit. He made us his sons and daughters. He gave us authority again. He's preparing a place for us. In this life, he gives us peace, peace that passes understanding. 
He provided a way out, an end to inner turmoil and trouble and addiction and confusion and hurt, and he erased our past, and he invites us to forget it and move forward. But that's easier said than done, isn't it? Isn't it? Y'all are looking at me funny. Now don't do that. You know, God is, Jesus is so worthy of worship. I asked the Lord twice. I asked him, I don't know why I asked him twice. Do you ever do that? I asked him two times. They said, what, what is worship? Twice he answered me exactly the same way. <laughs> because uh, I guess, uh, you know, he, he's not going to change his answer, is he? Worship is speaking the truth about God. You know, he, he's worthy. He's amazing. He's faithful. All those things that we love to sing about, he's every single one of them uh, off the charts. You know, he, he, he doesn't know how to be anything. He, hasn't, he doesn't know how to be anything except amazing. And, and you know, I think when, when you think about the fact that he gave us his own spirit, part of himself, to live inside of us, to dwell in us and be with us, and the Bible says forever, not just on this earth, not just for the time till we get to heaven. No, no, no. He's going to be with us forever. And, and I think, you know, uh, if, if, if we turn over, why don't you guys there, I'll have you turn to one. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Gathering them together, Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you have heard of me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days hence now. So that when they had come together, they began asking him, saying, Lord, what does it mean and what will happen when we are baptized in your spirit? No, they did not ask that. That's the obvious question after you telling them what, what you know, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And no, they didn't ask that. What did they do? Are you at this time restoring the kingdom? They sounded like a broken record. These guys were not going to quit. They just had to ask, you know, are, are you restoring? <laughs> Jesus, he's so funny. He didn't say anything to him, did he? <laughs> he just said, it is not for you to know the time or the appointed seasons when the Father is set by his own authority, but he got back to the main point. But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and as far as the remotest part of the earth. And, and you know, look at, at Peter from, from uh, where he was, you know, always, uh, always the bold guy, right? Always the strong guy, always kind of sticking his foot in his mouth, but at least he was trying, right? He was doing something. He goes from that to, you know, the denial part. And then, you know, the angel had to say, you know, go tell the disciples and Peter, because Peter was pretty sure he wasn't good enough anymore. And then we have him filled with the Holy Ghost. And now he's standing up and he has an altar call and there's 3,000 people get saved. That's not bad, you know, because, because what did he say? You will receive power. It's not his power. You understand that. That Holy Spirit lives inside of you. If you're born again, the Holy Spirit's inside of you. And, and whether you recognize that or not, whether you feel that or not, and trust me, it takes some practice, doesn't it? Don't y'all look at me like that. It takes some practice. 
to, to recognize and to know when he's talking to you. You know, I, I remember I was talking to a young man. I just wish I knew when God was talking to me. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But now, you know, now he's a youth pastor. He's been in the ministry for, oh gosh, like 15 years now. Now he understands, all right? But it takes some time. It takes some practice. It takes some time in the Word where we're listening. But, but Peter walked in that power. He went from one minute not having it to the next minute living in it. And, and he was able to make a huge impact and get the church going. Amen? You know, uh, another huge thing is God has poured out his love into our hearts. I'm still laying a foundation here. Just stick with me for a little bit. He poured out his love into our hearts. You know, when you squeeze a toothpaste, when you squeeze your tube of crust toothpaste, toothpaste comes out. You know, when, 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 when God poured his love into your spirit, man, right? When, when, when you get squeezed, your spirit man always responds in love. Now, your head, your emotions may not cooperate with that 100%. But you know what? If you'll check down here, he'll just check down in your spirit man. That's love there. I, I promise you. I've been in some situations. Uh, my, I, I, we ran into an interesting individual recently, my wife and I. And when we walked out of there, my wife said, all I felt for that person was love. Well, <laughs> you know what? Because we're responding out of our spirit, not out of our head. Now, I can tell you, there's some people you might meet or some situations you might encounter and you're mad or you don't like it or you think, you know, what, you know, what did pastor say the other day? You know, the people on the road are, are not idiots, okay? That is not your spirit responding. That is your flesh responding. But you know what? If I check down here, I'll just start praying for those people that I had just two seconds ago thought about calling an idiot because I, you know, that they probably need prayer, okay? But, but, but that love's in there. It's real. All right, that peace is in there. It's real. You want to check in? You know, you want to be in the middle of a situation that's hard? Check in with that peace. It's right there. You can walk in it if you want to. You don't have to. You can be frightened. You can be... You can be anxious. You can be whatever you want to be. But if you want to check in with the peace, you want to let that peace rule. Hello. Amen. See, see, he gave us our authority back. Adam and Eve lost it. He gave it back to you. You can take, you can take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ and make him peaceful. And make them not anxious. I'm telling you, you can do it. I didn't think you could, but, you know, I had a situation back a few years ago. And I, I, I was tested to see if I could make anxious thoughts peaceful. And I found out you could. Yep. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. I, it, it's a decision you have to make. You have to decide you're going to do it. But you know what? God wouldn't have said be anxious for nothing if it wasn't possible. He didn't ask you to do the impossible. Did he ask you to fly to the moon? No. He didn't ask you to do that. That's not possible. But he, he did say, be anxious for nothing, because it is possible. All right. You guys still with me? All right. Romans 5. And hope does not disappoint. Romans 5, 5. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. You know, Peter and John went up to the temple not long after they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's a crippled man sitting there, and he's reaching out for money, 
And Peter's like, silver and gold, we don't have any with us. But we uh, do have something with us. In the name of Jesus, you know, the love of God just came out. And the authority of God that was given them. And the power of God that was in there through the Holy Spirit. And boom, you know, hey, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And up he jumped. And, and he ran. And, and another couple thousand got saved that day. You know, I'm telling you. There's nothing different about you and him. Now, you've got that same power. You've got that same love. You've got that same peace. You've got that same authority. It's the same thing inside of you that is inside of him. Now, talk about our spirit, man. We're a three-part being. We are spirit, soul, and body. Most people say body, soul, and spirit because they're flesh conscious, all right? And if that's you, don't feel bad. Just start saying spirit, soul, and body. Get it, get it right, all right? Because we're a spirit. We're an eternal spirit. So, so we're spirit, and when we're born again, that spirit's made 100% new. It's 100% like God. Now, we, it takes a while for us to figure all that out, okay? But your soul and your body are not saved. The Bible says that your soul can be saved, but that's a process of washing with the word, yeah. all right? Now, we have a washing machine at our house. If I disconnected the water, none of the clothes would ever be clean. Do you understand that? The, the washing of the water of the word is only possible if you're in the word. You understand that, right? It doesn't just happen because you have a dusty Bible sitting on your bedstand, right? That, that doesn't work. You could try that. My friend, uh, my, my, no, not my friend, kind of my friend, but one of my instructors in Bible school um, who, you know, I would call this individual a friend, but anyway, she, she probably, she'd know me if she saw me, but you know, that'd be about it. You understand. Anyway, her brother came to live with her when he moved up to Tulsa to go to Bible school, and uh, she walked in on him doing laundry one day, and she's like, so, is that how you always do laundry? And he's like, yeah. And she goes, yeah. That's fabric softer, not softener, not detergent. <laughs> yeah. Well, he had soft, dirty clothes at least, you know? <laughs> So, you know, if, if you want to get, get the washing of the water of the word and get your soul saved, get your mind and your will and emotions in line, you're going to have to get into the word. There's apparently, since the Bible doesn't explain any other way to do that, there apparently isn't any other way to do it. So now, now, you know what? There's lots of good teaching out there. You can get in the word. You can listen to the word. Uh, I, I, I was listening, you know, I having a Bible program on my phone, I'm at the gym, boom, play, I listen, all right? You know, it's, it's, there's so many ways that we have to get into the Word. You can pop it, you know, you can listen in your car, you can, you know, I mean, I know people who put the Word on and go to sleep that way. I don't think I could sleep that way, but, uh, but people do that. That's great. If that works for you, you know what? You do what works for you, you know? It's like prayer. Uh, I, I know people who, you know, they want to kneel by their bed or lay on their bed. I could do that, but I would just fall asleep. Um, that would not work for me. But I can walk and pray. You know, like I used to do that. I would, in the evening, as soon as it got quiet and the sun was starting to go down, I'd start walking in my, around my neighborhood in Oklahoma when I lived down there. And, uh, and, and I would pray. I'd pray in tongues. Nobody could see I was doing anything because uh, it was getting dark. And, and if, if, if 
I had been out there doing that in the day and been loud. I'd have been, they'd have thought I was nuts, and they'd have probably been right. But, uh, but I, I, that works for me. But I know people, they pray in their car. I can't pray in the car. I don't know how people pray in the car. I mean, I can pray short prayer in the car, but I can't pray. That does not work for me. But you all do. You work it out with him. See, the Bible says you work out your own salvation, not mine. Okay? I don't need your help. At least not very often, and you probably don't need my help, okay? But, but, but you know, work out your own salvation. You figure out how to get in the Word. You figure out how to pray, you know? Um, you know, I had somebody say to me, well, I, I don't have time to read, you know, that much. Well, okay, then, then read what you can, all right? All right, I, I, did I tell you how much time you were supposed to spend reading the Bible or praying? No, and I'm not going to, Okay. That's never going to happen because that's not my deal. You work out your own salvation, all right? But, but our, our minds and our will and our emotions can be a mess. Hello. Anybody understand that part? All right. Y'all looking at me like if you just look real pious right now, no one will know you've ever had any trouble with your mind, your will, or your emotions, okay? So that's good. You just look real serious. And look at me like you kind of disapprove or something. That would be, that would be helpful. Um, all right. I, I, I can't talk about you. I'll talk about me here. I have been truly hurt before in my life. I have been truly wronged in my life. And I know all of you have too. But God rescued me out of all that. And he put me in a safe place. And he put me in the light of truth. And he brought me into his family in the light of eternity and in the light of all that God is and all that I am in him, the hurts of the past and the present and the future, even the future, become kind of a moment in time. You know, now, you can dwell on him. You can live there. You can rehash it till the day you die. And God will not stop you. Do you understand that? He will not stop you, but you don't have to live there. Yeah, but you don't know what I've been through. Yeah, yeah, you don't know what I've been through. Do you? Okay. So, you know, you know, sometimes, sometimes we're like, yeah, but God, you've got to do something about the person who hurt me. I, I can't change that person, can you? I can't fix them. I can't change them. And, and, and you know, don't, don't try, you know, don't, don't let your mind go here. Well, he... He's God. He can't relate. Oh, I think Jesus understands what it's like to be wrong. Pretty sure. Pretty sure he gets that one, guys. You know, he, he, under, he understands that, you know. But, but you know, w trust his ability to deal with the situation. All right? Trust his ability to judge and enact vengeance. He said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. If you think he doesn't understand what vengeance looks like, go read Revelation again. All right, because he gets it, all right? Plague one, plague two, plague three. Oh, yeah, there's number after number. Okay, but he gets it, guys. I'm telling you, he will deal with whatever has to be dealt with. Deliverance belongs to us. Redemption belongs to us. The ability to move on belongs to us. Now, does God expect you to, if you're in the middle of something right now, does he expect you to live trapped in misery and fear and abuse? No, no. Deliverance belongs to us. 
All right, it's part of our redemption. It's part of where he's taking us. And if we'll cooperate with him, we'll get there. Now, I know people who've made decisions to stay in the mess. All right, do you understand he's not going to show up and pull you out? He's going to expect you to follow him. You know, David, Psalm 23, what's the first line? The, The Lord is my shepherd. Yes, that means you follow him. All right, now. You don't have to. You might follow him in one area and have trouble following him in another. I understand that, all right? But, but I'm going to read to you. You can turn over there, if you would, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Deliverance belongs to us. I'm going to prove it to you, in case you didn't know. Um, verse 8, and I'm in the New King James, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul writing here, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, and of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Maybe you've been there. Yes, we have the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Now look at verse 10. Who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Past, past, present, future. Do you see that? He hath delivered us. He is delivering us. He will yet deliver us. And and that is good news for all of us because we've all been through stuff. We've all faced stuff. You guys know the story. I I don't want to take too long, but you know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right, and and Nebuchadnezzar, one of the greatest kings, the most powerful kings who ever lived on the earth, made a giant statue of himself, and then commanded that everybody bow down and worship it. And uh, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego didn't do it. And then some, you know, whiny tattletales ran to the king and said, "Yeah, those guys, they were just jealous of him because they had a more important position than than they did." And there were those guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not bow down. To your statue. And the king was mad. He's a big baby too. And so he, he called them over. And, uh, and uh, if, you're, if you're there, I'm in, in Daniel chapter 3. I almost said 7. Or in Jan- Daniel chapter 3. And, and uh, the king said to him um, in verse 15, at the end of verse 15, But if you do not worship, you will be cast immediately into the burning fiery furnace. And verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, if what is the case? He ain't going to throw him in the fire. Yeah. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, if not what? If you don't throw us in the fire, hello, we're still not going to bow down to you, king. I mean, they were just real matter of fact about it, you understand, because it's like they, they get it. They get the God who has delivered and does deliver and yet will deliver, and they're like, yeah, whatever. Go for it, king, you know. And, of course, you know, the king threw him in the fire, and then in verse 24 it says, King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke to his counselors. Did we not cast three men into the fire? And they answered, yeah, true, O king. And he's like, look, I see four. You know, 
that God who never leaves you or forsake you has not failed to understand how to deliver you, okay? Whatever you're facing. I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter what it is because he has delivered and he does deliver and he yet will deliver. One of my favorite books is by a missionary um, who's long gone now with the Lord, but she was a missionary. She and her husband were missionaries during World War II and she was uh, taken prisoner of war uh, and she was cruelly treated. Then she was accused of being a spy. How ridiculous. And, and they put her on death row and, and they had her execution day set. And, and it's so cool because there's God. He just starts talking to her. What does he say to her? He goes, mm-hmm. who has delivered? Who does deliver? Who yet will deliver? And she goes, yeah, yeah, God, I know, I know. I know in heaven I'll be fine. I'll be delivered. You know, they're going to they're gonna execute me. And, and, and the Lord just kept saying, who hath delivered? Who does deliver? Who yet will deliver? And so, you know, the day came. She's standing before the firing squad, and they're getting ready to shoot. And then there's this big hubbub, and cars honking and driving, and people shouting and yelling, and, and something happened, and they didn't know what, she didn't know what. And, and the, the head officer grabbed her by the arm and threw her in a Jeep, and they took her back to the POW camp, and, and he said, don't you ever tell anybody what happened here. And she's like, <laughs> hath delivered, does deliver, yet will deliver, really not too worried about you. You know? Because, you know what? We walk these things out. We just walk these things out with him. You understand that? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, uh, I, I'm going to just, you could write these down if you want. Psalm 68:20. God is to us a God of deliverances, and to God the Lord belong escapes from death. I like that. I've escaped from death before. How about you? I got locked in a freezer. Oh, yeah. I'm not lying. I got locked in a freezer at the end of my shift at a restaurant and there was no reason for anybody to come back there and look for me because I, would, I had done something at the end of the shift. I'd taken a pan of stuff back there, and there wasn't anything else that had to go into the freezer. So nobody would have known. They would have just thought I'd gone home. Well, long story, I eventually figured out how to get out. But, you know, I'm sitting there going, well, Wow. This is, the, this, is the, this is what the end looks like, you know? <laughs> I was driving up the, one of the highways, interstate-type roads in, in uh, Oklahoma, and, and I, was, I had looked away. I don't know what I was looking at. I honestly have no idea now. It was too long ago. I was looking down, and the Lord says to me, look up. <laughs> yeah, there was, a, there was a car. It was stopped, and I... I nearly, I nearly found it. But you know what? But, 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 you know, here's the deal. Did I have to look up? No. no. You understand if I had just ignored him? And how many, okay, I, I'm not pointing fingers. I have not listened too many times, okay? How about you? You know, don't say anything. But I've not listened way too many times. 
And, and you know, sometimes we wonder, oh, well, why did somebody, I don't know why somebody died, but, but I do know, I do, do know that God's, it says here, he's the God of deliverances and the God who, yes. And Psalm 32, 7, you write that one down. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. I like that. Luke 21, 28. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. You know, that's the times we're living in. Look up. Your redemption's drawing near. Second Chronicles 20, 17. You need not fight this battle. Station yourselves. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, for the Lord is with you. Last one, Philippians 1. Philippians 1, right at the verse of, uh, end of verse 18, it says, But not only that, I will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my eager expectation and hope, that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul wasn't given up there by adding death. He just knew in life Christ was going to be exalted through his body and what he did. He knew that in death Christ was going to be exalted through his body and, and he would rejoice. He wasn't worried about it, you know, because he knew the God of deliverances. He knew the God who was the God who could save. Amen? You know, I think... Uh, Look over uh, in Acts chapter 6. This is the, the story of Stephen. Um, the apostles uh, in the early church were doing everything. And the church kept growing. And it was thousands and thousands and thousands of people now. And the apostles couldn't take care of all the food things and all the events and all of the meetings and uh, coordinate everything. And so the Bible says that they chose seven men to help with that. And then they, they took care of some of the widows in the church, and they did all sorts of things. And one of those guys that did that was Stephen. And, uh, and his heart is so beautiful in this. You know, you can see the Spirit of God inside of him. You know, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You know, you can see... That, that the power of God was all over Stephen. It says that if you look in Acts, verse, or Acts chapter 6, verse 8, and Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. But some men from what was called the synagogue of the freedmen, including Cyrenians and Alexandrians and from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and argued with Stephen. Look at verse 10. But they were unable to cope with his wisdom and the spirit by whom he, is, he was speaking. You understand that people will not be able to cope with the spirit by which you're speaking? You know, Jesus said not to worry about what you're going to say when you get into one of those tight spots. He said, you just look to him and the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say, and they will not be able, what does it say here? They will not be able to cope with the wisdom and the spirit by whom you are speaking. Trust him. He's the God of deliverances. And then, you know, he showed his heart at the end. You know, he preached at him. He let him have it. It was hilarious. Actually, if you read it, it's like, you know, Stephen, you really let him have it. Anyway, they took him out and stoned him. They killed him. But what did he say? He, 
you know, he said to him, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Who did he sound like? Just like Jesus. Just like his Lord. Just like his Savior. He's like, yeah, don't, don't hold this against them, Lord. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I think it's, it's so interesting, you know, uh, when Peter and, and John got arrested after they, uh, I think it was the time when they, after the, the lame man was, uh, after the lame man got healed and, and they got arrested. And, and the, the Bible says that, that the Pharisees took note that these men had been with Jesus. Well, you know what? Wouldn't you like somebody to say that about you? Yeah. Yeah, I, I took note that this, this, this Pastor Edwin had been with Jesus. I took note. He'd been with Jesus, you know. I, I took note that, 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 you know, I mean, isn't that cool? I just think that's, that's what I want somebody to say about me, all right? You know, I think as, as we're working out our salvation, as we're in the word, the washing of the word, and learning how to get our souls saved and, and getting our mind, our will, and our emotions lined up to the word of God, right? You know, David prayed something really cool in Psalm 139, in verses 23 and 24. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Put me to the test and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. You know, I, I, I like it when God shows me stuff. A lot of times he, he'll show me something I need to correct and it'll take me a while to figure out I've been corrected because he's so good and he's so gentle about it. But, but you know what? If, if you're willing... You're willing to follow him, and you're willing to be led. Then he will lead you, and he'll lead you into to victory in every area of your life. Now, do we have to do that? No, we don't have to do that. We don't have to follow him. But but, you know, who wants to be miserable, right? Who wants to be living in death? Who wants to be living in in sin? Nobody. You know, I mean, it's like okay, no, I don't I don't want that. You know, I think, you know, Numbers twenty three. Verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. No, everything in this book is true. All the promises of God are yes and amen. And as we follow him, as we follow those, as we learn what his promises are, we can stand on those and stand on them and insist upon them and, and they will come to pass. But sometimes we have to be a bit like a dog with a bone and not let go. Have you ever had a little dog, you know, that could bite onto something? You could pick him up off the ground? Yeah, we got to be that, all right? My dog is not that dog. He would not hold on that tight. No. <laughs> My wife's like going, no. No, no. He's, he's not, uh, not capable of that. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's one of the most interesting verses in the New Testament. Just we don't spend much time there uh, because it's like, what does that mean exactly? But it's a good one to look at. First Corinthians chapter three, starting with the end of verse 21, it says, "For all things belong to you." That's interesting. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas 
or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come. All things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. You know, we're familiar with that passage that says, in him we live and move and have our being. You know, your life is expressed in his life. Everything belongs to God, but you're part of God. And everything, it says here, everything belongs, hello, to you. Romans 8 says that if God did not withhold his own son from you, did he? No. If he didn't withhold his son, what do you think he would withhold from you? If he gave you his very, very most precious, best thing, there's nothing, everything else is less than that. He, he's not withholding anything from you. So when you look at that, it's like, okay, okay, wait a minute. You know, all things belong to you, or the world, or life, or death, or things present. Or th- I mean, you know, we are limitless in him. We are absolutely limitless in him. There is nothing holding us back except us. You understand that? He's not the one doing it. He's not holding you back from anything. He is giving you everything. All things belong to you. That is about as hard to comprehend as anything could be. But you know what? Once we start taking hold of some of those things and start seeing what that means, you know, then, then we can start walking that out in our lives. You know, Pastor quotes Romans 5, 17 frequently. You know, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life or reign as kings. Yeah, we're supposed to be reigning as kings. The Bible says that he's made us a kingdom of priests and kings. Well, you know, a priest, what does a priest do? A priest watches out for the spiritual well-being of those around him. What does a king do? He watches out for the physical well-being of the people around him. You know what? You can do all those things. You can be that emissary of God, that ambassador of Jesus Christ who goes out to your workplace, to your neighbors, to your family, to whoever you're around. And, and you know, that doesn't mean you're going to preach at him. You know, every time it doesn't mean you're going to beat anybody up. It doesn't mean anything like that. It just means a word in season is a great thing. You know, how many times does somebody just need to know God loves him? You know, how many times does somebody just need to know that somebody's praying for him or somebody's standing with him? You know, you, you don't have to uh, you don't have to say anything more or less than what he shows you to say. But but you know, I think uh, if if we start to understand what he has for us and how we can reign in life. You know, we are going to walk at a level that we never imagined was possible. But it's real easy to get caught up in the day-to-day. It's real easy to get caught up in sin. The Bible says in uh, Hebrews 12, the sin that's, that, that so easily entangles us. And, then, and then, then we're like, yeah, well, I'm not good enough to ask. I can't ask him. I can't ask him for anything. I'm just, I made this mess, and I just, no. See, he, he, he gets that, okay? He understands that, but we rise above all that. And the Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then you can just move on, all right? But it's hard for us to move on. It's hard for us to move on because we don't see ourselves the way he sees us because we don't have enough of the word in us and, and we don't have enough of his truth in us. And you're, you know what? Just talk to him. He'll show you. He'll lead you. He'll talk to you. You know, don't, don't be afraid to, uh, don't be afraid to, uh, to go talk to him. You know, I think uh, 
one of the things I would caution you is be very, very, be very, 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 aware, be aware, aware of self-pity. Do not let self-pity come into your heart, into your mind, all right? Um, there are hindrances to our spiritual walk, and self-pity is one of the worst. If you're feeling sorry for yourself because you think everybody else has it better than you, well, they're probably sitting there thinking that you have it better than them, all right? So you might as well just get over that one. But, but a lot of people camp out there in self-pity land. And, and, and they're feeling sorry for themselves. And when you feel, now hear me, when you feel sorry for yourself, it puts limits on you. You're limiting yourself, all right? Because, well, this person's doing that to me, or this person's holding me back. If only I hadn't been born to this family, or this neighborhood, or this city, and everybody treats me, and if I'd only, if only I wasn't, you know, if only I was married, or if only I wasn't married, or, you know, it's 100% wrong thinking, okay? You know, it keeps you from receiving because you have more faith in who you think you are than God says you are, all right? You know, don't, don't do that. Let go of self-pity. Just let that one go, okay? There, my soapbox for the night. You know, Hebrews 4 says, let, let us approach the throne of God with confidence. If you're feeling sorry for yourself, you're not in a place of self-confidence. You understand that? He says, approach the throne with self-confidence. When I go see my mother, it doesn't bother me to open up the cabinet that she keeps her snacks in to see what might be in there to see if there's something that I want to eat that doesn't bother me. You understand that? Now, I'm not going to come to your house and do that because you're not my mother, okay? <laughs> But Jesus, you know, the, the, the Bible says in Hebrews 4, again, that we're supposed to enter the throne room boldly. Do you understand what that means? That means it's like you're at your mama's house, okay? Okay, God, we got to talk, okay? Don't, 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 you don't have to thee and thou him, okay? Just talk to him, all right? He really is pretty good about just getting it. He's smart, okay? He, you know, Hear, hear this. The word of God so beautifully describes the glory of God. Um, God sits on the throne in heaven. His appearance is like jasper and sardius stone. There's a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. And around the throne are 24 thrones. And on the thrones are 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes. And they have crowns of gold on their head. And from the throne proceeds lightnings and thunderings and voices. And seven lamps of fire are before God. Before the throne, there's a sea of glass like crystal. And in the throne and around the throne are four living creatures with eyes in front and in back. And a voice from the throne says, Dave, my son. And I'm like, Dad, guys. Yeah, 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 I know what it says. But that's dad, all right? Talk to him. Go up there and, and have a conversation with your heavenly father because he's, he's crazy about you. You know, at, at, at what point are you going to take up your true role as a son or a daughter of the Most High? You know, are you going to just treat him like he's far away and, well, you know, I don't know if you're listening or not. No, no, dad is up there listening. He's paying attention. He wants to talk to you. Go talk to him. 
Yeah, but I messed up. Yeah, no, it says, it says in Hebrews 4, you know, boldly enter so that you may receive mercy in your time of need. Hello. Okay, when you're needing mercy in your time of need, that's not your best day. Do you understand what I'm saying, right? That doesn't mean you're going up there and saying, God, you know, I got 13 people saved this week, and uh, I gave, you know, $8 million in the... No, no, and he wouldn't be impressed by that anyway. But my point is, no, no, it says to show up in the throne room boldly, Dad, help, in your time of need, in that time that you need mercy. All right. No, he's not up there mad at you. All right. You know, when you, you know, okay. You know, when, when, if you have a kid and your kid, uh, I, I imagine Diego has scraped a knee or two, right? When Diego was little and he came crawling in the house, crying and his knees bleeding, you didn't say, Diego, out of here, you're bleeding, get lost. No, it wasn't like that. Like, all right, come on, we'll get it fixed up. We'll get a, you know, uh, Ninja Turtle Band-Aid on it or something, you know? You know, something like that that makes kids happy. So, you know what I'm saying? But, but see, God, God's, he's got a whole box of Ninja Turtle Band-Aids, if that's what you're into. And uh, he'll fix you right up, but we have to go boldly, okay? But see, what a lot of us do is we're Jonah, and we run that way. Instead of going to him, we try to hide out, all right? Hiding out, guess what? You can't hide from God. God knew where Jonah was the whole time. And uh, so, you know, in, in John 17, you guys, I hope you know this verse, but if you if, turn to John 17, verse 22, just in case you don't. Because you need to understand how much he loves you and how much he cares about you. All right? I, I will never forget the day I saw it. I'd read this verse so many times, and I never heard it. I never saw it. I didn't ever comprehend it. All right? John 17. We're almost done, guys. A few more minutes, and we're done. We will get done on time, early if possible. John 17, verse 22. The glory, Jesus talking here. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. He gave you glory so that we may be one. Just as you, Father, and I are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world, look at this, so that the world may know that you sent me, and you, Father, love them just as you loved me. You see that? He loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. That's kind of mind-blowing and incomprehensible, and, and, and I will never forget the day I saw that for the very first time. He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Do you really think he's going to tell you to get lost when you come to the throne room and in your time of need? No, 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 he's not going to do that. He, he's not going to because, because he's put us in a place of no limits. He's put us in a place of reconciliation and restoration. He's put us in a place where we can get everything fixed. No, not in a second, but we'll get it fixed. You know, in time, you know, we've all been through stuff. We all have stuff that tries to hang on to us. All right. You know, baggage, so to speak. Right. I, I think I, I think it just takes time. But but as you fully grasp how he feels about you and what he thinks of you, you're not going to feel a need to try to 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 tend that wound all the time. You know what I mean? 
you're going to be able to let go of that, let him deal with it, and just move on. Because he's got things for you to do. You know, he gave you his spirit. Remember, we were there a couple times already tonight. You shall receive what? P power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. He has some things for you to say to people. And, and, and people who need you, and they need to know what you, can, what you know, and they need to know the God you know. And, and if you're sitting there, you know, nursing your wounds all the time, that, that he's already really just said, you just hand those to me, and I'll deal with them. But, but, you know, we have to let go of those things, and we have to move forward. You know, I, I think, you know, uh, last verse, John 14. No, that is not the right scripture. Yes, it is. John 14, verse 12. He's made us a kingdom of priests and kings to God, and, and, and he has given us things to do. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that, that he's put in front of us on our pathway. As you go down your path, there's going to be, Oh, I can do this, I can do this. Are you responsible for everybody? No. Are you responsible for everything? No. no. You know? Now, if he puts it on your heart to pray for somebody or something or the government, or, and he probably will, you know, do that and, and then move on. You're not responsible to fix it. I'm not responsible for working out Pastor Edwin's salvation. I'm not. He, he's responsible for that. I'm going to let him do his own. But are you guys in John 14? It says here, you who he has made his sons and daughters, you that he has created without limits. Everything belongs to you, all the resources you could ever need to do whatever he's called you to do. And John 14, verse 12 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus talking, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do, and greater works than he, the, greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Verse 13, and whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. As you find out who you are in Christ, as you find out who he's made you to be, as you found out, as you find out the privilege of walking as a son of God, as a daughter of God, and all the privileges of sonship, the limits in your life are going to just start falling off, and you're going to see what God can do through you. Amen?